Welcome to Amalgam, a podcast focusing on creatives and entrepreneurs. You can enjoy the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. If you would like to get in touch or support the show, please visit AmalgamPodcast.com. Check out the blog for each episode on the Apple News app and follow us on Instagram at Amalgam Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to check out our show and please enjoy this new episode. everybody we are here for the podcast i got the 10th episode never thought i'd make it this far but we did it i've got blake hudson with me hi he's calling hi what's up blake <laughs> he's, he's calling in from bellingham we're doing this over facetime audio and uh thank you for making it happen blake i appreciate you being here buddy yeah hey my pleasure corbin it's good, good chatting with you yeah and i feel like the last time i called you i feel like i always call you with a weird like uh I need to know what this process is or what there's there's a specific like artistic thing that you can create and I know I know who's going to know how to explain it correctly it's going to be Blake and he's going to tell me how <laughs> oh, that was thanks, letter buddy. pricing the technical <laughs> yeah. details the technical yeah, details exactly what I um can, why I don't can, you tell oh go ahead go ahead I can dork out over the details for days that's that's exactly why we're here too I love <laughs> it what um tell everybody what you do real quick um well, I wear a bunch of hats these days, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. What I do these days, right now I'm in a hole tying rebar <laughs> all the time in the hot sun. Okay. But uh, no, it's good. We're we're building a uh, a large art studio in downtown Bellingham. We're going to have a metal shop, a public glass studio, a wood shop, a couple artist lease spaces, a little what? gallery, and then by the new codes the city's enforcing i have to build a little tiny building so no one can see my parking lot which actually okay. turned out to be a blessing in disguise so hopefully okay. in that little building we'll have some sort of um food service thing coffee shop bar hip, okay hipster Extra. yeah hipster magazine stand i don't know <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> what um in fairhaven uh where specifically in, in- and be delicate because my memory has faded. <laughs> uh, well, actually, this is like this is down just on the outskirts of downtown Bellingham, right near the Herald Building. Oh, okay, okay, cool. cool. Yeah, and uh, it used to be a tiny little dog washing joint, and uh, I called this lady. I called probably like thirty different people and tried to mm-hmm. get them to sell me their pile of buildings. Right, and uh, <laughs> this lady was so sweet. And we struck up a relationship, and she said she was getting out of the landlord game, and she'd sell it to me and pressure wash lots of dog hair out of those roof rafters and have a, <laughs> have a lot of pride in this little brick shanty that's soon going to be a much a much bigger not-so-shanty. <laughs> no, it would be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. I mean, uh, it's funny moving back to Bellingham because, you know, growing up here, obviously – you, right. we grew up together yep it's a it's a weird place <laughs> kind of a so i apprenticed for venetian style glass blowing here i would right and see home high school at about two fifteen. ride my go uh, christopher morrison's glass art studio mm-hmm. where i was this 
little a grunt on the totem pole getting yelled at, which was great. Yep. I need I needed that your structure. Paying my dues, getting burnt, getting slapped. <laughs> Not really, <laughs> verbally. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh <laughs> it was a it was great. I needed that. I was kind of a, a feisty little dude and that was that was really wonderful. So And then and then spent some time yeah. at RISD, right? Yeah, so from there I took a year off and worked around Seattle and Tacoma, um and then applied to go to college. I applied for two colleges. One my grandma worked at in upstate New York and RISD was the other one and I did I mm-hmm. I thought there was no way I was getting in there, but Turns out I did. <laughs> so I, yep, I tell anybody, you want to go to RISD, apply for glass. Because <laughs> <laughs> they they're trying to fill some quotas. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I was one of those lucky, lucky numbers that got in somehow. So yeah, went for the glass department program, got into some industrial design stuff while I was there. And I want to touch on that later, so remind yeah. me to bring that up. Oh, yeah, but. yeah. And that kind of shaped everything. Um, and then... Moved to Portland after that, where basically me and Jessica, who, who you, you grew up with too, mm-hmm. um, we had this little, we rented this little house with a two-car garage, like on the outskirts of Portland, and that's kind of where my metal shop started, was in this funky little garage with, you know, okay. my MIG welders and chop saws. <laughs> MIG welders and chop saws. Yeah, and basically... The dream started there. I mean, was it freelance stuff or? Yeah, I mean, it started out. out So I I was fortunate enough to work for this machinist, okay, or artist. This really amazing, and he makes all sorts of things, but he primarily makes really beautiful, intricate, machined bands for very expensive glass sculptures. Okay, so what was the last part? It broke up a little bit to the glass sculptures. What was it? Uh, he makes what to makes them? like like really beautiful machined stands for like high end glass sculptures. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, like you make this beautiful glass object and it's got no flat bottom on it. How the hell is it going to sit on right. that pedestal? <laughs> yeah. And he would spend hours sculpting these little cradles for these glass pieces. There's a lot of uh, trigonometry involved in that, right? Oh, uh, you know, just like blood sweat and tears and mm-hmm. and and just knowing how not to break very expensive glass pieces like i guess that was Ooh. that's kind of part of the niche that we are in is understanding is glass care? yeah and understanding yeah. metal and how not to like collide that them pro- too aggressively <laughs> <laughs> um oh man so oh. yeah so let's see so worked with him for a while and I think he was kind of grooming me at a certain point to like kind of take, not take over, but to like, he could, take kick, yeah, and he could kick jobs down to me and I would mm-hmm. help, uh, I would just help his workload because he slammed. The dude is amazing. Um, and so I think that's kind of how it started. What was his, what was his name again? I think it cut out. When we, Jeremy Bosworth. Jeremy Bosworth in Portland, right? Uh, he's actually in Anacortes, but he lived in Bellingham. So, oh, okay. Okay. so like summers and when I graduated, I would like come work for him like, you know, two, three days a week. Gotcha. Gotcha. Or like, you know, like on for a week, off for like two months, back again for a week, you know. Whenever you could. Yeah. So if I sound winded, it's because I have ADD and I'm pacing at like nine miles an hour in my front yard. <laughs> it's all good. If I was only on the phone, I would be doing the exact same thing. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I've got literally I got two sets of headphones on, and I got a mic with a you know, nice. yeah. the screen in front of it. I You've can't. got great posture right now, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I sit in my basement, just like ah, podcasting. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I mean, so that's kind of how. And then basically, you know, fake it till you make it is such like a stereotypical thing to say, but it is just so real. Mm-hmm. So and I just started gotta, like taking on jobs. It. Yeah, totally. So I'm that's a pretty, wrong. I'm a pretty, I'm good at getting stressed out, and so I would take on these jobs and just like panic and somehow pull them off whether it's like you know welding things for restaurants or building a chandelier for a penis doctor um right i I took on all sorts of jobs that i really shouldn't have but what pulled me through was just you know that attention to detail Mm -hmm. and knowing that even if nobody could see that weld i was going to make it perfect and i was going to just really make these things last for generations right and um that's something i always admired about you growing up and watching you throughout your different art mediums was uh your patience and your ability to because i i always like i knew what i wanted and then i'd just go too fast and it it never would quite execute the way you know it wouldn't have the polish the fit and finish that your stuff always did so i appreciate that and it's funny because it's I'm so I'm impatient in so many other aspects of my life <laughs> that I think the creative world gives me that breath of fresh air where I can just really hone in and be focused. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, like everything else is easy to just let <laughs> crumble into chaos, mm-hmm. which I kind of thrive in chaos. I've learned to realize, oh, okay. uh, <laughs> I mean, whether or not I see it as chaos you know, in hindsight, when you look back on it, you're like, how did I pull right. that off with right. all these things orbiting around that, you know? Right. But, oh, yeah, so, um, <clears throat> let's see, let's see. Yeah, so, um, Jessica was going to school there, so I moved to Portland because uh, she had lived with me in Rhode Island for a year when I was going to RISD. <laughs> she's always been uh, a grounding force, and she's she's Mm -hmm. an amazing she's so we're very different her and i (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh she's really good at like pushing me physically to be good at what i do and we're we're a really good support network for each other that's awesome so been with her since i was a kid since i was like 17 years old or something you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) so so that's that's important to um you know because She's, you know, when, how do I say this correctly? Like she's working on your projects in ways, you know, when you're, oh, I when mean, you're and there. Even in, in very physical ways too. When I built that chandelier for the, um, for the doctor, she was in there grinding out these giant glass plates with me with like basically oh a dental drill. <laughs> so she's wearing like running clothes and I put a respirator on her and <laughs> over the shop sink and, and I right. drilled out like, you know, 60 of these giant glass plates and she's in there just like chamfering all the edges of the drilled holes. Oh man. We don't get to do that too much as a team anymore. Um, but right. <laughs> when, now that we've got Leo. <laughs> right. Happens. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Portland, Portland is such an amazing, amazing creative place. Uh, 
I, I was there at the right time. I think, you know, it was booming and now in a weird way, like it's, it's boomed too hard. <laughs> like, okay. Okay. I think we got out at the right time. It's just, there were so many restaurants coming together. There were so many like new buildings going together and everybody needed work. So right. they were basically willing to take a chance on me cause they just needed it now. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, yeah, I can do that right now. I got you. Right, right. So, you know, work the long days, long nights, you get it done. And they're like, oh, actually, this is really nice. Like, let's hire you for this other stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, it kind of spiraled from there. Um, and uh, I've always I've always just really enjoyed networking, so that helped. And the whole time I've been doing that, I've also been trying to, like, I've got, like, you know, five or six things that I've wanted to, like, develop that I've designed, made molds for, like, really – Okay. Really thought through these processes, really gave it the full attention to like push this product I was making. Mm-hmm. So I, I pretty much designed an entire design line of lighting and right. desks and stuff like that in Portland. And I have, you know, 75 lights, 10 desks, you know, like I have all yeah. these things I've I've never really gotten to market full bore. So that was okay. kind of one thing that I've been really excited about moving back to Bellingham okay. is to just, just dive back into my my own stuff. Right. And, and almost it's almost kind of like a retail thing, like production for retail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. Like high-end lighting, yep. furniture, you know, it's just something I really want to attack now that we're right. up here. Uh, I got to. And yeah, exactly. And so, and this is great because I wanted to ask, and and I can give the audience a little background on you because I've known you for so long. But <laughs> you know, I've seen you go through uh, ceramics and glass blowing, and and really dive into these different mediums. When, and you mentioned um, the the apprenticeship um, mm-hmm. earlier. Yeah. Where do you find? your inspiration for your designs now because you know when we were younger and stuff there were projects or there was there was inputs you know that were giving us directions and things like that and you were doing a lot of stuff on your own but when it comes to designing uh, like metal fabrication that's mm-hmm. just it to me it's just it's I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around how you design for that um everything else makes complete sense to me but yeah um what, where do you draw inspiration from like where do you get an idea from is do you look around for something that's just sitting around the house and you want to improve or do you, you yeah something... usually um i mean that's kind of why i recently like four years three years ago changed my business name to hued and that I really liked what that word meant other than like uh, what people know it from in like a woodworking term, like a hand hewn okay. or hewed beam. The word okay. means to conform to or adhere to. Okay. And I really – my designs are based out of a necessity of or a lack thereof, uh, a functional object that I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on or, or I'm craving in my own personal mm-hmm. life. Right. And, if, and if, if I can apply it to my own circumstances – then hopefully somebody else might think, hey, this is beautifully designed and it, it functions perfectly, uh, you know, for their space as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're not going to be able to, yeah, and you're not going to be able to like dial it in for all of humanity. But, you know, what do they say? You like, of course, you cast a wide net and some, and you catch a few <laughs> fish. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No, no I, I mean, yeah. No, I know what I you mean. And you never so, know who's you're really going to reach to, you know? Yeah. Like some, but. 
I mean, and it's really tough. That's another thing about living in Bellingham. Like, there's very, there's very limited uh, group of people here who are really in tune with the stuff I'm designing. And, you know, maybe that's to my fault. But to really sell a lot of the stuff, I think I'm going to have to gear up and go to some of these really nice design craft shows. I guess you can't even really call it craft shows. That's like... Right. That's the hierarchy of the design the design world. You know, it's like a craft show is like, I don't know. The, I would have to go to like ICFF in like Chicago or, or okay. I have to go to like, you know, Design Miami or, you know, like those are the right. kind of things that I'm hoping to, once my studio is built, that I'll be able to just like get dialed in and hit up these right. events. And start spreading the word. Absolutely. Oh, for sure it will. That the space you're building. Can you run it back to me one more time again? Yeah. Just, I, want, I want to hear it again. Yeah, for sure. So, the space we're building right now is basically when I was in school. The absolute most amazing part of school was that creative community, that hive mm-hmm. mind. You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing like it. Um, just vibing off of some of your best friends while making beautiful things together or ugly things together. Either way. Right. So when I moved back to Bellingham, that was really, really what I had as a goal. I wanted to create this, basically the scene. And part of most of it actually is for selfish reasons for myself, because I just miss that, you know? Mm-hmm. So by by building a metal shop, a public glass blowing studio, a wood shop with a gallery that people can show things, I'm really hoping to kind of like, develop that scene in a way that it can be impactful for not only myself, but for others around me. And even on a broader scale, like starting to educate Bellingham even on Mm -hmm. the design I'm interested in. Right. Right. Which is, which is very elegant and very, um, I'm not, it's not calling, I don't want to say simplistic or anything like that. I want to just say, no, no, it really is. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a minimalist. It's yeah. Minimalist is what I was looking for, but it's, um, like the the function is clear you know the the engagement mm-hmm. with the audience is very very i don't know it's and people need to check it out for themselves and what's the easiest way to to check um, stuff out for you probably my instagram which is sad yeah. but yeah. uh underscore well, I mean, it's not sad but yeah underscore hued underscore uh otherwise i've got a terrible website hueddesign.com gonna be dropping some new images on there soon of a chandelier i just finished or an oversized pendant, depending on how you want to dub it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that hive mind, that creative community—it's mm-hmm. um, it's a fine line to walk because you want creative people around, but you also want your your safe space, your creative space, uh, where you can really just tell everyone to take a hike and and be and, productive. Yeah, and dive into the deep dark places in your mind <laughs> and, and sort yeah, things yeah. out. So it'll be it'll be interesting, and I think you know I've shared a, I've shared a lot of shops with a lot of different people, and uh, hopefully hopefully this one will be the the most thought out. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it, um, and you know, making a place where we can have community events. Like uh, when I was a kid, my mom used to take me to these flea markets where the drive-in theater used to be. Mm-hmm. Just keeping it funky and creative is, I think, is a real goal for for this space. Yeah, well, I think what the world's missing these days, I just everything just feels kind of stale, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I, 
and you know shame on me for not broadening my horizons or whatever but i mean it's it is what it is like if i want to see specific movies like i talked about it on a few episodes ago like the good movies aren't the ones that are at the big theaters or anything <laughs> like that they're in the like the little sideshow that you know they might have one or two one or two projectors going for it totally, yeah totally know? like the pickford here in bellingham exactly you know and so they got the magic lantern here in um spoke canon and everybody who knows me is going to be so annoyed at me saying this but sicario one of my favorite movies ever made you know i had to go see it at this little tiny theater because i couldn't see it at the major ones and it's like this is, is, a this, is that the movie. one with um what's his name Benicio del yes. Toro and yeah, Josh yes. Brolin. Yeah, yeah, no, that was a that's a great film. <laughs> yeah, it was a great movie. I think the dude, um, Roger Deakins, I think he finally won an Oscar for it. You know, and it was like here in Spokane, one of the biggest cities this side of Seattle to Minneapolis, and it's mm-hmm. like sweet. I'm not. Yeah, I you, be, <laughs> you had you had to go to this tiny little hole in the wall. <laughs> exactly, and it's like so. My, oh, I rented it on Amazon Prime. <laughs> that's good yeah that's a great uh, movie um, but yeah, yeah but on the, original on the... and different help just to expose people to different things I don't know people don't really know what they want until they've they've seen it or they've been exposed to it well and, that's uh, the problem too I mean I was really fortunate enough to have really weird creative parents I came, you know coming from a weird creative family like they kind of helped me understand that what I wanted was to use my hands Right, and there was no shame in it, you know. Like some, some yeah. people are like, "You, you're dirty." I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm playing with clay." Yeah. Um. So, and then a lot of people, you know, they go through all this expensive schooling, and they get out, and they say, "Well, I don't want to do that. What, mm-hmm. what, what did I just get myself into?" Yeah. Or what did I just pay for? <laughs> exactly what did I just pay for. Although you get that a lot in art school too. There was there's yeah. there was so, so many incredibly smart kids uh, that were like older than me and that had already gone through a totally different career and uh-huh. now they were in art school, you know, and more power yeah. to them. They figured Good it out. Them. Yeah. Yeah. You were asking me before we started recording, but you know, that was part of the reason to start this was to like, you know, if you're not, if you feel like you're not getting something out of your current career, but you, you feel like you're in a position that you can't leave, which I am. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Um, mm. I'm actually in a great position and I love my job. But the point of the podcast was to be able to explore different areas, whether it's creatively or to challenge myself. And so, yeah, um, you know, and I mean, people can do that anytime. You got to try. Well, and, you know, also people tend to run the other way. Mm-hmm. Stuff gets hard. I mean, I love what I do, but don't get me wrong. There's days where I think, what did I get myself into? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's every career, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's another thing, too. It's, it's, it's not, there's going to be, some some lows no matter where you're at and you've got to you got to be aware of that you can't just snap your fingers and change something because you don't like it and start over it's always yeah. gonna, it's always gonna be hard work and hard work is rewarding even though it might hurt your body <laughs> it's gonna be worth it in the long run yeah we're, we're like five years later or something you're gonna be like all right yeah it's it's really kind of hilarious building the shop right now it's just me and jed building this amazing gigantic thing jed dad is the general contractor and so he's the brains behind it i designed everything and then had an architect realize my design um and unfortunately chris jed's dad broke his knee like day one of construction on the the site 
on site. Just, you oh, know, man. something that just could have got anyone. Just He just took mm-hmm. this fall in a weird way and broke his knee. So, oh, man. I mean, jerk heads <laughs> are no joke, dude. I mean, yeah. Not... I mean, OSHA is a thing for a reason. <laughs> exactly. It's, so, it's not, yeah. So here I am back in my hometown with one of my childhood friends <laughs> building this massive <laughs> building downtown. And again, you know, here we are. I mean, luckily we have Chris and he's very experienced, but for my, for myself, I feel again, the fake it till you make it. <laughs> here I am again. Thanks, guys. Yeah, exactly, dude. And oh, it's a nice hard hat. I had to order one on Amazon because there's nothing up here in Bellingham. Like, (laughs) no, I'm just playing. There's all sorts of stuff up here. Um, Bellingham's Bellingham's just like every other place in America, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Bellingham, don't move here, though. (laughs) Uh, It's quickly getting big, you know, that Portland capital. Yeah, everywhere. Craziness is flooding up here. But uh, so, yeah, here we are, me and Jed, in this hole tying 45,000 pounds of rebar. Wow. And every day you go home and you feel good mentally, but you feel terrible physically. Yeah. You're going to be pretty wasted. Yeah. And then you got to go home and be somebody that's mentally present for your wife and your kid and Mm -hmm. still try to juggle your creative aspirations. It's a. it's a really – it's an interesting time right now and definitely <laughs> parenthood preps you for that kind of exhaustion. <laughs> yeah. There's – that is the superpower you get from um, becoming a parent is this – you don't really have excuses for being tired anymore. You're just like, I'm just – it is – I'm tired. You yeah, know? exactly. I can't – I'm not going to – I'm not going to – I can't complain. No. Know? Uh-huh. So. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I mean – that's where I'm at right now with the with the shop, and hopefully okay. we make some good progress. And I just kind of have to resign myself to the uh, the simple truth that this is what I'm doing for the foreseeable future. Oh yeah, <laughs> just one but, step in front of the other. But it's a very open ended plan. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I'm not, you know, that's kind of how I roll. Like I, the sooner you make finite decisions the sooner you screw yourself over for any, you know, spontaneity that may just jump into your life. Yeah, exactly. Um, when, so the space, are you guys going to do any sort of like internship or anything like that or apprenticeship yourselves there? Yeah. Or what, yeah I what mean, do think? I definitely would like to link up with Western Washington university. Mm hmm. Shout out Western holler at your boy. I'm right down the hill. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I really have always kind of worked alone and I've, I've hired a few friends here and there and I'm just, uh, it, to find it's, it's difficult, you know, working with other yeah. people is amazing, but yeah. it's a huge stress. It's a huge burden. And so I personally need to grow, uh, with my organization skills mm-hmm. and communication mm-hmm. skills so that I could, you know, make it more financially beneficial to myself. Yeah. And, and, and a value to that person too, that, you know, you know whoever that yeah, is. And like, you want them to feel, you know, cause they're going to be putting in a ton of work. Yeah. And, and I feel like I'm finally at the age where I can be left because when you're, you know, when things get stressful and materials are expensive, it's easy to, it's easy to just, snap instead of like well no let's logically talk through this let's take a step back and let's mm-hmm. let's just like talk about what's happening 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I was uh, apprenticing, you know, and working for other glass people, you know, the glass industry is a really tough industry. It's really expensive. I remember you always you always emphasized that when you were getting into it. You're like, dude, it's not, you know, it's not a joke. I can't mess around. And I was always getting yelled at, and you know, <laughs> rightfully so. Um, I mean, you're just burning dollars in a glass shop. Right. It's just like to keep the furnace running, to keep the uh, glory holes running. That's a real term we use. That's what mm-hmm. they're called. <laughs> mm-hmm. To keep the glass melted, you know, like everything is just the glass color. Like everything is so expensive. Oh, yeah. So, you know, here's 16-year-old Blake who's probably stoned off as just, just got out of high school riding his bike over there. You know, I was a hard worker, but I was – I'd never had that kind of – um training you know like my folks were i didn't you know you me and you grew different in the sense where your, your dad dude he beat the responsibility into you <laughs> uh, right. and i had these like really caring loving hippie parents they were like you're fine do whatever <laughs> i was like sweet i will <laughs> yeah, yeah it's in it's all there's different methods every you know but, no, yeah, and I mean, like, but so the, I really needed that, um, mm-hmm. and that taught me a lot about myself, actually. Mm-hmm. I still, like, I still, I still wince thinking about certain moments getting yelled at in front of people, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you need that in life. You need a little humility. Oh, man, I've got, uh washing so dishes being humble ain't easy. Aid. I've got some humility for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we don't have to dive into it all, but. <laughs> lessons oh. learned lessons learned lessons learned you got mental scars and physical scars <laughs> sometimes <laughs> they both hurt the same yeah exactly i want to get to real quick because i don't want to i want to keep you up super late but how how are you doing on time actually? i'm fine no worries okay. i mean i put or you know we put leo to sleep a minute ago i'm good cool okay cool I'm just, uh, um, I feel bad too because I'm all over the map. I'm an ADD soul, so, no, you know, it's, it's hard to dude, keep it's, me. <laughs> it's perfect. I'm trying to get it to be more like this. I want it to be more casual and just, and if the guest is able to keep the keep the audio rolling, that's the point, you know. I can I can fill the space, you know, but. I've always been good at I freestyling. Do, <laughs> 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 oh, man. Every every time I do try and fill the space, I always think like I always want to cut myself off, you know, fear mm-hmm. of fear of hogging it. But, no, yeah, I mean, I think that's the beauty of editing, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. When it's was, like you've got. I just said I just cut that out, dude. I mean, you've got a you've got a, a a safety net, and you can just babble all you want, and then you can really pick out because that's how that's how real conversations work. There's. 90% babble, 10% profound thought that just accidentally mm-hmm. falls out of it. Mm-hmm. That you never expected. Yeah. Yeah. Which is always the danger of starting the conversation. Because when I do the phone interviews, and I'm probably going to leave all this yeah. in right now. This is fine. But um, when you do the phone interviews, I uh, I always am start the conversation just to like, you know, do the whole walkthrough. Look, this is kind of how it works. And if you got any questions, that's the time. And, but then we start, you mm-hmm. know, especially with somebody like you. Have I need to catch up, and I haven't talked to you for a long time. And it's all of a sudden you're like, ah, should we should have been talking? We should have been recording yeah. the entire time, which is fine. It's gonna happen probably every fifty percent. You're breaking time. up a little, buddy. Is that oh, my fault? It's probably my fault. 
Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Okay, <laughs> Did cool. I switch to Sprint? Nice. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Uh, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, we, no, uh, I mean, the, the free-form conversation is really nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Do you have um, do you have a particular project of yours uh, that was of, you know, that brought you a lot of different experiences? Is there something that sticks out that you feel would be a valuable story? All of them, really. I mean, it's you learn something new with every single one, even if even if it's one of the lamps that I have seventy five of, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I learn something different, like on every one of them, whether it's <laughs> just me drifting off into a meditative trance because I'm sick of sanding aluminum or it's like, you know, I'm working with Jed's dad, Chris Huff, who's an amazingly, he's just a really cool, calm, experienced dude. So I've been hiring him to help me do certain installs. Okay. Yeah. Well, I recently just finished up this public sculpture. I hesitated with the word only because sculptures you know i mean art school brainwashes you man like <laughs> yeah i've been i've been calling this an educational public sculpture is what i've been oh. calling it <laughs> um so you know art school it just makes you a snob really in a lot of ways and uh, so you have a good. hard time labeling things <laughs> no dude i'm a fan of specific terminology i would rather have a really granular description but that's mm. just me. Go ahead, well, I mean, no, no, you're good. Um, so I've been trying to break into the public sculpture game for years now, and I've applied for so many of them, and I've gotten feedback here and there that's like, hey, you know, this is really a great proposal. You don't have any other public sculptures under your belt, so we're going to have to pass. And I'm like, are you supposed to get one of these, you know? Yeah, exactly. At, at least every once in a while. Yeah, at least every once in a while somebody, like, gives you that email back. You're like, okay, well, at least they thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. So basically, oh, God, I've applied for, like, 20 of those. And then <laughs> finally got one here once I moved back to Bellingham because – I know everybody here, so it's kind of right. like it Dude, was kind of like a of gimme. Sometimes there's nothing wrong with that, though. Sometimes yeah. those are the breaks that help things move, get rolling. You know, it's just totally. the initial momentum. <laughs> so, so two of the things that I got to, I'll, uh, um, again, sculptures. Who, who, who cares? I'm trying to loosen up. Um, <laughs> one of them's bike racks, but they're they're really sculptural, actually. Those are sweet. Those are so, amazing. Thanks. So those were fun because I basically, after like back and forth with this this the people who were basically giving me the money to create this work that would exist in the public realm, mm-hmm. after many back and forths with various designs and different proposals, um, finally I was like feeling a little bit like screw it, I don't want to do it anymore. Right. And uh, I was going to grab a beer in the Herald building because they're right outside the Herald building. And I looked up and I saw this beautiful architectural detail with a light coming out of it. So mm-hmm. I was like, just kind of, it's so, you know, so often there is actually that aha moment. And I was like, oh okay. man, that okay. is a beautiful thing. So I basically took that image and and translated it from, you know, this was like carved in marble. I translated it into metal. And okay. I did this design work, and basically, so th- these bike racks are like if this architectural detail became oversized and looked like a slice of steel sticking up out of the sidewalk. So there's three of those. Um, yep. 
But the one that was most meaningful, <clears throat> Jamie Toddstone, remember him? Mm-hmm. So he recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Basically, his mom won this really cool public art thing. Uh, <laughs> I applied for that one and didn't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was really, she's really an amazing person. And uh, she, she won this thing and said, hey, Blake, do you want to help design and build this? And I said, yes, of course. That would be awesome. So... I got to build this really cool thing right down the street from my shop, right by this new roundabout that they built in Bellingham, and okay. uh, learned a lot about the bureaucratics of working with the city. Um, That's what I wanted with, to ask you after this, is I wanted to yeah. get into that process, but go, keep, sorry, I don't want to interrupt, though. <clears throat> no, no, you're good. Um, so I learned a lot about bureaucratics of working with the city, uh, multiple collaborators. I mean, there was like, you know six different vendors that I was working with to like oh, wow. pull this off from like stainless steel engraving to this wonderful woman, Debbie Dickinson, who did this crazy cool tile work to SNS concrete that did this interesting pad, like all my steel manufacturers, powder coaters, painters. Like it was, it was an interesting process to juggle all that. Oh, of course. So um, project and then, management at that point. Totally, and then I just got to stick all the pieces together and grind it forever, you know? Right. <clears throat> From my design. <laughs> and the, the powder coater screwed it up. It was supposed to be gold. They gave it back to me black. Uh, at this, okay. So basically, Debbie's project was, you know, um, something she'd seen elsewhere, and she wanted to put a twist on it for Bellingham, which was, it was like, um, oh, there goes a raccoon under the spotlight. I should put my ducks in their little duck house. <laughs> do, you need a, um, do you need a you need a break? No, no, no I'm just I'm good. <laughs> um, uh, so where was I? Mm, oh, the dude. goal it was supposed to be. Oh yeah, gold. yeah, yeah. So, so this this project was Debbie basically saw something and got inspired by it, so she wanted to bring it to Bellingham. So she 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 was working with these kids at the Watcom Middle School, and they came up with this idea to make a solar system where each planet was spaced relative to its distance in the universe. So you start at the sun and -hmm. you go find these plaques that I made that hold a glass marble that Jamie made. And each one of those is a planet. So, wow. So I made the sun, which was this really fun thing that kind of looks like uh, a Weber barbecue meets Um, (laughs) Pac-Man to anybody who drives by it. But when you get up close, you realize what it is. Dude, it's yeah. I'm looking at it right now, and it's it's beautiful. And oh, again, thanks. It's, it's a um. And you know, it's it, got I, your style. It, it's the sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's good, and I, I'm glad you feel that way because the other day, I'm walking up to it. And this guy's on his knees taking pictures of it from every angle. What's this guy doing? Like he either really likes this thing, or he's gonna like try and sue somebody. Not quite Uh-oh. sure. <laughs> uh oh. But uh, I'm walking up to him, and he and. Out of nowhere, he I'm like half a block away, and he sees me walking towards it, and he goes, Pac-Man. And I'm like, what? And I get a little closer, and he goes, Pac-Man. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can see that. And he goes, <clears throat> looks nothing like the sun. Looks like Pac-Man. And I just like, I kind of like, I was in this mood, and I was like, why don't you build it next time then? Um, <laughs> just like yeah, randomly you know. to this guy. Yeah. He's like, he looked at me like, what the hell? And he just kept <laughs> walking. I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but, but you know and that's just one of those funny those, those just hilarious moments about public art where it's like why that you know 
we're all artists, actually. Every person is an artist. And Mm -hmm. some people are just people who are going to capitalize on that because they're also entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. everybody, I believe, is truly an artist. Of course. There's a there's some way to be creative. Well, and this in guy just person. saw with with his own artistic eye, and I just thought it was hilarious. Um, so now I refer to it as Pac Man, mm-hmm. um, just because everybody sees it differently, and he kind of made me laugh yeah. with a cynical attitude about it. But um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a meaningful project, and I got to collaborate with my buddy on his last project, and it was you know it was one of the most sad experiences I've ever experienced, and one of the most beautiful. Which sounds weird to say, but uh, it was just it was intense. I I actually, um, so yeah, I don't know. That one's kind of heavy to get into, but so that that was one of the most. It's one of the most interesting projects. I wanted to to ask because a couple of things, as you were talking about it, um, public installs. Um, So you you mentioned you're applying for a ton of these to get them and it's tough to yeah. get uh, yeah just like everything it's tough to get a portfolio if no one's going to take a chance so totally I'm, I'm really happy that you got some chances you got some breaks when yeah you get beyond that application so what's next and do you do you already have things kind of in mind or once you have the job is then is it go time to start creating or it, wh- it depends where does it really um so you know i've applied for a couple that are just RFQs, which is a request for qualifications. Okay. And uh, so, you know, I send them my portfolio, I send them my resume, and just based on that, they can then put me in the next category. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, which is funny because a lot of the time, it's just Joe Schmo from Public Works Department with no artistic background picking names, you know, like... Hey, that's cool. Let's do that. <laughs> you know, and I'm yeah. like, it's weird how you get. The older you get, the more you realize um, how administration works. Yeah, it's in just everything. some guy who got the job a million years ago, and mm-hmm. he's been there. And this just so happens to be in a park, so it falls into his, you know, category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, from there, you know, there's now it's so bureaucratic, like. The one I just recently applied for and didn't get, which was a real bummer because it was a huge one in Bellingham. Mm-hmm. And the person that won, there was only seven people that applied, and the person that won didn't even have a website. So I was like, okay, oh, what's the deal? That hurts. Like, yeah. So that one was basically like so bureaucratic. They're like, okay, if you win this, you will have to attend six community meetings. You will have to present like five slideshows. You will have to have a mid-budget thing, you know, like – it was just, you know, my mom used to do these public art things a lot mm-hmm. when I was growing up, and she she's a great, great um, teacher for me, and mm-hmm. I ask her questions all the time. And she's like, yeah, it changed in, like, mid-2000s, uh, and it just got so much more bureaucratic where when she was winning these grants, it was literally like, okay, we like your work. Here's money. Make us something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember um... – with the children's books and things like that, like it was always, it was always kind of turning back towards the community with your mom's work. So it's amazing to be exposed to that growing up. Yeah. And Um, she's a, she's like, she's a real artist. Like I often look at her and I'm like so inspired by her because she still works every day to this day, even if like she doesn't have a place for it to go to sell, mm -hmm. she's just constantly cranking work out. Mm -hmm. 
where it's like, you know, I look at myself sometimes and I'm like, you know, I didn't make any work today. I just, you know, took care right. of my kid, worked on my house, like, right. and she's really, she's a real artist. It's, it's really inspiring. And I'm so grateful that she is who she is. Absolutely. So the, so the administration and, um, you've got people at requesting more. They want, obviously they just want basically it's all coming down they want to be in control of the cost they want to be in control of the budget of well, they want to be in control of everything really it's like you know how do you please everybody well you don't you can't yeah so yeah. that's basically what it's come to now unless you're a really amazing like well-known artist and they actually are just saying hey you know like carol bove or somebody like like hey we just want to put one of your sculptures somewhere like mm -hmm. we're not even going to ask you for much you know Mm -hmm. one day that would be that would be like <laughs> level up yeah yeah that's when if you, you know just it. get phone calls like hey will you build us something here's a bunch of money yeah <laughs> yes i'll build you something amazing for that much money yes why well, <laughs> yes i will do well, that. yes i will um uh. i love manufacturing too like i've i've mm -hmm. got a, you know my grandpa basically my mom's side had a factory in brooklyn since 1886 where they made confetti and doilies okay so like <laughs> growing up we would go there all the time and you know i i just have that factory in life in my blood like i just really identify with that like small factory you know he probably at one point had like 30 employees but uh -huh. then probably before he sold it in 95 he probably had you know i don't know a handful were left but uh I love utilizing other other manufacturers to make certain things okay. that I've designed, and then I can get them back in my shop and further manipulate them or right. put them together. And I really get a kick out of designing things on the computer and then seeing a computer make the thing I designed and then adding that to a larger project. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I want to get into now. I kind of want to get into a little bit of the technical and the equipment side. Yeah. What are you using um, as far as software? I'm pretty bad at that, to be honest, uh, but I can get by. So I'll start just with your crappy pencil sketch on a napkin or whatever, and then I'll say, <laughs> okay, okay, there's something there, and then I'll take it into Rhino. You know, I use Rhino. Okay. And that was so hilarious is they offered Rhino when we were freshmen in high school. Oh yeah, dude! I took a year of that. So I did I. Batmobiles and That's stuff. That's the only class I ever failed. Really? <laughs> yeah, I was because like that's all I wanted to do. I like made all these dope space aliens. <laughs> right. And okay, so okay. The, it oh, wasn't because oh, you couldn't use the program. No, it's I, you weren't completing the the tasks. Yeah, I was like, dude, screw that! I'm just gonna make freaking aliens. How so, dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you stifle my creativity? Um. <laughs> uh, so, which is funny, cause it's just like a lot of things, like math, Rhino. I use those every day now, you know. Mm -hmm. So, um, oh yeah. So, it's, I'll, I'll yeah. basically I'll take a I'll take my pencil sketch and then I'll work through a bunch of things in Rhino usually and come up with a rendering. And then, depending on the scope of the project, you know, there may be a bunch of little pieces or a few larger items that I will farm out if i don't have the capabilities to manufacture them in my mini okay. i call it my you know like my mini factory in my shop mini factory what do you have there as far as equipment i'm not going to understand what any of it is or what no it does. You, you will most of it's pretty analog um okay. uh, so i've got in my metal shop i've got uh, 
two lathes. I have uh, a milling machine. You know, I've got some tubing rollers, some band saws, some tubing benders, um, TIG welders, MIG welders, but that's really it. A mini press brake, um, lots of belt sanders. Okay. But, uh, and then I utilize other shops with like laser cutters, water jet cutters, bigger press brakes for them okay. to like cut and form things and then all weld them together. Why would you need a laser cutter or a water, um, you call water jet cutter? Yeah, basically because they can take a file I've created and create it precision down to like you know 0.001 of an inch okay so like okay. i can send them like a drawing or like a font or and they and they they bring it back to me exactly how it looked on my computer okay and yeah, water just... jet cutters really laser cutters are pretty much just used for like mild steel and stainless steel and water jet cutters can pretty much cut everything uh it's basically a huge water pump that shoots the water out at crazy fast speeds that has an abrasive medium mixed in with the water. Really? Yeah. So like you could cut like plywood with it. You can cut like, you know, one foot thick aluminum. Like you can cut everything with it. That's crazy. So, um, I always thought it was just, there was still a blade or something cutting, but the water helped like keep it cool or something i don't know no it's just a full it's just like an abrasive medium that's just mm, shooting with the water through your you know material yeah that's crazy um uh, so that's awesome like you can cut glass with it like you can cut everything with it okay um so, so you'll get you'll see what you want to do what you want somebody to precisely do for you and you'll come back and when you bring them back what else do you do when you bring them back like the the pieces I've had cut out or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, then I'll just fabricate other elements to them, or you know, sometimes if it's if it's easy cut and dry, like I make a lot of signs for people. Signs are kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll design a sign. I'll have it laser cut. I just have to make some mounting hardware, drop that baby off at the powder cutters, and slap it on a building. You know. Okay. Okay. Um, so and these really are usually got a nice process going. Yeah, I mean, for simplistic things, you know, I mean, sign making is an art, and by no means am I a sign maker. I, I, I can just make signs for people. It's just, it's a fun thing. But uh, there's a company here that makes, I think, Signs Plus. They make some incredible signs, uh, and it really okay. is mind-boggling. Yeah, powder coating is tough. It's a really great material. So I, everything that goes outdoors, I pretty much get powder coated. And it, it looks so beautiful. And it it's does. Smooth. We got some sort of military chopper flying right over me. <laughs> um, cut that podcast off. Edgemore Living. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're not. What was I gonna say? Um. Oh, he's spotlighting my house, bastard! <laughs> mm-hmm. He's just flying through the hood, spotlighting people's houses. But uh, yeah, so. Like oh, a lot I, of times for, yeah go ahead what's up oh when when are you going to start making uh neon art or neon signs when am i going to yeah is that ever going to be yeah is that ever going to be i would on? love to i just love i love neon you know it's really kind of a dying industry too um is you it? just need such specialized equipment you need like a vacuum table to like 
vacuum all your argon and neon or whatever the hell it is in there and then you got to charge it and so much of that's just like offshore to china now like it's hard to find good neon people now yeah and i i've just started kind of following a couple people on instagram yeah it's become like that it's become like that artisanal thing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Exactly. Like there's there's some hipster who's like got good hand skills and he figured out how to make like some cute things with it. Yeah, I but mean, he's, he's good. He's not making like giant like Aloha Motel signs or anything. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Yeah, it would be but, um, man. He saves the dining industry. It sounds like sounds like I need to invest in some equipment. Yeah, you do, or at least find a place. I've been in Spokane. You know, Spokane's interesting. You got a lot of old world dudes there. Yeah. And I bet yeah. you could find a nice neon shop there, and it's a really cool thing. Yeah, it is. It'll be <clears> fun <throat> to watch um, and to get just to get a little bit more exposure to. Yeah, I mean, uh, like you even said, you, you've watched me, and we've known each other for so long, you've watched me uh, mm-hmm. go through a lot of different mediums and materials. I mean... I think that's kind of what you have to do these days is you got, like you were saying, you got to know a little about a lot of things, mm-hmm. especially as an artist. Like I think just, you know, it's, there's a reason they say Jack of, you know, all trades, master of none. Um, but enable to like make these mixed media things. Like it's really, you just got to know how things go together mm-hmm. and be able to be, I mean, I've heard this before and I feel like we're doing we're going with cliches, but I love it. But we, you know, being a good middleman and, um, it sounds like, you know, you've got the vision, you know, you're steering the ship still, but you're the one coordinated between everybody and making all these different teams collaborate. And, um, yeah, I mean, there really is. I mean, you gotta just be hungry enough to want to see your design come to fruition. Like you gotta, Mm -hmm. you gotta be fiery enough to like, pretend like you know what you're doing and call up 30 different shops to find exactly what you need exactly yeah and you know you're gonna learn 95 percent of what you didn't know in the first call pretty much or oh the first seriously two. like I, I am so thankful for all these random shops of these old school machinists and fabricators that i call up i'm like hey can you make this for me and basically they laugh <laughs> they, <laughs> they school me and then yeah. they they direct me to another shop <laughs> <laughs> and I say, well, hey, cool. Now I know what to ask for. Yeah. I get a little bit closer every time. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it, just, was, uh... it just helps with being patient and, and learning how to communicate well. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's a good, that's a good lesson for everything in life, I guess. Oh, yeah. You play it. You play it across the board. Kind of like you're, everybody's, everybody has creativity in them and then. The people that are making money off of it, well, that's the entrepreneurial side. And, you know, much better. I'm making things and I am at selling things. And my entrepreneur level, you know, like my creative levels outweigh my entrepreneurial levels. And Mm -hmm. now that I've got a kid, I just have to step that side up so that, Mm -hmm. like, everything can function smoothly and everybody can – everybody gets a jet ski. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Oh, man. I mean, my kid needs baby Jordans. <laughs> hey. hey <dude. laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> no, I bought, we bought, um, 
my a friend of mine gave me a pair for Hayden, and so she wore nice. she wore the bejesus out of those things. Every time I could, I put her in those. And then we got Isaiah a pair, and he he grew out of those in like half the time. But it's, <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I'll keep them, you know. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'll cast them in gold for you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be <laughs> gold, baby dude, Jordans, dude. That'd be you can do that for me. That'd be amazing. <laughs> well, first I'll take him to a shop in Portland. I'll have him 3D scanned, okay? Okay. And then I'll have him 3D printed. Okay. Then I'll make a rubber mold of the 3D print. I'll then make a wax from that rubber mold. <laughs> then I'll send it to my guys, and I'll have it cast in gold for you. Okay. So, you know. We got to go through the process. You got to go through the process. <laughs> Might be some spray bondo in there at some point. At some point, spray bondo? <laughs> Does that make its way into every job? Oh, you know, it's just nice and smooth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, dude, we hit we hit a, just over an hour. Um, do you want do you want to share? Do you have a resource you want to share, and then we could close this puppy up? Sure. When you're, uh, I was thinking about that. When you say a resource, and you and you and you referenced like, you yeah, know, so I really like high end design magazines. Exactly. That that's what I'm talking about. Let's do it. Like there's a couple out there. I mean, even everyone knows Dwell, and most of it's ads these days. But you know, just buy yourself a eleven dollar Dwell every once in a while. Yeah. And, uh, Domino magazine. Um, you know, basically, honestly, Instagram. It's sad, but it's like I don't want people looking at their phones all the time. But like, mm-hmm. I follow some amazing designers on there. Um, art yeah. books. I love going to museums. Go go to a museum and go to their gift shop and look at what art books they're selling. Okay. Uh, even you know, go, and if you can't get to a museum, Google MoMA in Manhattan and see what they're selling in their store. Okay, and they'll um they'll keep it current. Yeah, and, uh, and they probably have you know, they probably do a pretty good job of curating old stuff and new stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like. Honestly, yeah, Art Twenty One—that's a good one. Uh, they do like, you know, little videos. I guess um, they do some podcasts too. Okay. And then, Dude. really, just nature, getting outside. Yeah, and getting uncomfortable. Those are great. I like that a lot. Dwell Domino, and I agree with you. It's nice to feel books in the papers anymore. I feel like I was just talking to I was just talking about this I feel like we're gonna see a trend back towards the analog world a little bit um god I hope in, so in the coming generations I think we will you know I mean there's just so much more of an experience you can get just from like that tactile feeling of flipping a page like I mean yes and you know putting bookmarks in instead of like look flipping through it and losing it forever you know like a book is yes. just so much more uh it's just such a nice beautiful it's a beautiful object it is, and there's accomplishment, in, and I don't, not everybody needs to do it this way, but I've, like, I look at the books that I've bought physically and I've read, I keep those, or I let someone borrow them, and the chances of them reading it or getting into it are so much higher than if I, like, flicked them a, a digital file of a, you know, PDF or whatever, ebook. Totally. Know, it'll yeah. get lost in their phone. We all, we all data hoard anymore, that it's just like... You know, if you're going to be be intentional with your content, and that's one way to do that is to get, 
you know, buy the actual physical thing. Yeah, and that way you're actually supporting somebody and something mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Very, very important. But but yeah, and if and if you got any other questions too, feel free to hit me back up or anything. Yeah, that's what I know. I was thinking about it, and you know, obviously the way the way the podcast is now versus what the idea was starting out has you know shifted slightly. But one thing I was thinking about. You know, these first few episodes, as much as I was learning about what I'm doing, you know, I'm getting to a point where I'm a little bit more comfortable with everything going on and publishing mm-hmm. them and the workflow is great. It was also an opportunity to kind of go through and see, like, is there is there more here with some with some of these guests that, you know, additional episodes would be warranted? And it's it yeah, definitely something I'm going to try even, and do. Or even like a bonus excerpt, you know? Mm-hmm. In updates, you know, everybody's always working on new things. It'd be great to kind of do like shorter episodes of like, look, we're going to zero in on this specific thing, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of take it away from there. Totally. But I think, well, um, let me double check, but go ahead and say whatever you no, want to say. No, I was just going to say, it's, it's always great talking with you, Corbin. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, you got to get out here it. sooner or later again, and it'd be fun to come see you out there, although I know how busy everyone's lives are with these tiny humans taking over. Yeah. The the tipping point is coming though. We are, we are approaching the point of uh, more freedom, you know, and, know. and Bellingham has changed so much. It's kind mm-hmm. of a crazy place now. It's uh, mm-hmm. it's really, it was an amazing place to grow up and hopefully everyone forgot all the did I did when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I think no nobody remembers what anybody else does. You only remember what you did yourself. <laughs> yeah. But, oh man. But yeah, no, I I know what you're saying though. As far as like Bellingham, you know, when we grew up, there wasn't really a lot going on in Fairhaven. Um, a lot of empty stuff still, and a lot of empty lots in neighborhoods. You know, mm, not yeah. every house was built. So. And now there's like no like we were talking about that the other day. Like there's about to be no more empty lots. Like that's coming. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, um, Seattle, I just read, Washington is like right in the middle. They're not the worst, but there's the housing shortage in Washington for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's creeping all the way up from California. You can see the trend, you know. I mean, do you guys have a lot of homeless people in Spokane? We do. I don't know if it's as bad as places like Portland or... Oh, my uh, God, it's so bad in Portland and Seattle. And you know it's actually getting really bad here now. Yeah. I mean, it's. I work downtown, so it's it's bad, you know. I mean, I'm constantly um, dealing with from people. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, uh, the businesses little... are straight up closing downtown. I've been oh. working downtown for eight years, and I've seen a lot of turnover. Yeah, and that's you know it's happening here too. And although, yeah, and developers kind of run Bellingham, which is weird too. They own the city. Yeah, but I think that's like everywhere. Yeah, it is. There's some there's some big players over here that are the they're the leading the charge in like the newer developed areas and stuff. It's an interesting world we live in, that's for sure. Well um feel free to hit me up whenever, Corbin. It's always great chatting with you, buddy. Yeah, and Blake, thanks for doing this short notice, man. You're the peach. I appreciate hey, dude. you so much. Re- really appreciate it, buddy, and that's it's really great chatting with you, homie. Yeah. And I'll um I'll be in touch, man. Thanks again. Sounds good, dude. Feel free to call me whenever. All right, cool. Hey, have a good night. Yeah, you too. Bye.